0: Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, January 24th. Coming up on the show today, there were some good things that happened in sports in Tennessee. We'll take a look at the rest of the NFL playoff picture as we head into Championship Sunday. But, of course, we begin with the autopsy of the Titans' lost to the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday afternoon. Do you own a home in Nashville? If you do, then you need to know the name, the Kingston Group. Whether you're looking to buy a new home, build a custom home, or do some major renovation work on your house currently, the only name you need to know is the Kingston Group. Why would you ever make a big financial decision about your home without all of the information in front of you? This is where the Kingston Group comes in. BuildKG.com is the website. Check out their work. I guarantee you, you will be better off. Just go talk to them. The Kingston Group, that's BuildKG.com. You guys have heard me say it before, two things can be true. And this is my message for depressed Titans fans following the 1916 loss to Cincinnati in the AFC Divisional Round on Saturday. Ryan Tannehill has been a driving force of success for the Tennessee offense for the last three seasons. And has not played good enough football in the playoffs, including three costly interceptions against an average Bengals defense. Mike Vrabel is your coach of the year in the NFL in 2021 and has questions he will have to address this offseason after a second consecutive one-and-done postseason performance. The Titans' defense was nearly perfect, sacking Joe Burrow an absurd nine times on Saturday, and struggled to cover Jamar Chase and T. Higgins for most of the game. 2021 was an extremely memorable season for the Titans for so many reasons. A second consecutive division championship and the best record in the AFC. Things to celebrate. And that the way it ended will conjure up nothing but disappointment. Two things that feel like contradictions can be true in life and especially can be true in sports, and the Titans are the embodiment of that philosophy. Derrick Henry is the best running back on the planet. That changes the way teams defend your offense. And the Titans' rushing attack still produced equivalent numbers in his absence, and Deontay Foreman was the far more productive player against Cincinnati. All of that being said, Ryan Tannehill and, to a lesser extent, Mike Vrabel, will be the primary focus during the autopsy of the Titans' loss. Tannehill has won two playoff games and led his team to the AFC title game and hasn't looked all that good in any of his five playoff starts as a Titan. Don't get it confused. He was efficient and largely protected the football back on his 2019 run, but he threw the ball a grand total of 31 times for a grand total of 159 yards in those two wins combined. Henry and the defense is how Tennessee got to the AFC championship game. So massive questions still remain. Will Tannehill ever be more than a solid regular season quarterback who is incapable of producing in big moments in the postseason? He had the ball in a tie game with a chance to win it with just a few first downs, and instead forced the ball into a tight window, was intercepted, and then Burrow made them pay with one perfect throw to chase. With a $37 million cap hit next year and a $57 million dead money cap hit still left on the contract, it does not appear that Tannehill is going anywhere, and nor should he. He should and will absolutely get another chance to run it back with this very strong organization and very strong roster. Now, after next season, the Titans can opt out for a measly $18 million cap hit. He is what he is. He is what his numbers say he is. He is what the eye test says he is, and he is what his record says he is. He is a solid, okay, middle-of-the-pack, average NFL quarterback who's had some moments of regular season brilliance when surrounded by an elite running game and excellent defense. He has never and will never be an elite top flight NFL quarterback. He has never and will never be a top 10 signal caller who is capable of single handedly carrying his team to playoff wins over good teams consistently. The problem against Cincinnati, however, was that he wasn't even just a solid middle of the pack player. He was a major liability against a defense that wasn't all that special. 220 yards passing and three interceptions is simply unacceptable for a one seed at home coming off two weeks to prepare against the team that has played 10 straight weekends and managed only one touchdown the entire game. There's only one way for Tannehill to answer the questions and change the narrative about his regular season prowess and postseason ineptitude, and that is to go win playoff games next year with this team. But that's 12 months away, so I suppose we've got a lot of arguing to do over the next seven months. As for Vrabel, the questions are similar but far less urgent and maybe more difficult to pinpoint. Why has this team failed to win a game in the playoffs in each of the last two years, despite being favored in both games and at home for both games? Motivation, preparation, culture, philosophy, adjustments. Most of those things we have praised Vrabel for during his four-year tenure in Nashville. So it seems odd that we would laud his culture and ability to lead for, I don't know, 65 regular season games in one deep playoff run, but not these two individual moments. Evaluating what happened from a coaching standpoint is far more difficult. We can see the quarterback make a poor decision or fail to adjust pre-snap or overthrow an open receiver. It's much harder to quantify how and where a coaching staff screwed something up in a one-game situation. Did they run the ball enough against the Bengals when they were averaging six yards a carry? Why was Baltimore able to totally shut down Henry two years ago? And I don't want to hear anything about this going for two thing when it was six to six. That's a simple math equation that was neither here nor there as it pertains to the outcome of the game. So don't bring that up. I think it's fair to question the play calling from time to time, especially against the Bengals. And I think Todd Downing and reevaluating the offensive coaching staff, I think that's a fair thing to look at this offseason. I think this is clearly a coaching staff that has proven itself. This time last year, at the end of the season when they lost to Baltimore and changes were coming, they made changes to the roster. They didn't really change the coaching staff, and the team got better. The defense was fixed. If we want to talk about the offensive coaching staff, again, I'm okay with that. But by and large, the defense was significantly improved with the exact same personnel from the year before. So clearly the coaching staff did a pretty solid job. Mike Vrabel's resume speaks for itself and is basically unquestionable. Four winning seasons, three playoff bursts, two division championships, a 2,000-yard rusher, and a trip to the AFC title game. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Vrabel is here to stay because he's been an excellent football coach. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have to answer some questions this offseason about why his team has been one and done in each of the last two years. The answers, however, to those questions are very, very difficult, subtle, nuanced, and hard to quantify. (laughs) Championship Sunday is set, and it will not involve either one seed for the first time since 2010. That is over a decade since the last time that both one seeds lost in the divisional round. It will not involve either of the three seeds and only one two seed as well. On Saturday night, Green Bay largely dominated the 49ers until a blocked punt recovered for a touchdown resulted in a tie game in San Francisco's only touchdown of the game. But somehow that was enough as the Niners kicked a game-winning field goal at Frigid Lambeau Field. The Rams looked great early on in Tampa before choking away a 27-3 lead to Tommy Boy, forcing Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup to make two huge plays on the final drive to kick their own game-winning field goal as time expired. That's right, the third game-winning field goal of the divisional round, all of which of course took place on the road. So it's an all-NFC West, NFC title game as the four-seeded Rams will host the six-seeded 49ers on Championship Sunday. The nightcap on Sunday featured an overtime win by Kansas City in the best game of the weekend, maybe the entire season. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes battled from the first possession to the very last. And of course, the final play of regulation was a field goal. The Chiefs improbably tied it up as time expired and then scored a touchdown on the first possession of overtime to go to their fourth consecutive AFC title game. The first weekend of the NFL playoffs left a lot to be desired with basically one interesting game, maybe two, but the divisional round delivered in a huge way. All four games came down to the final possession, and the Bills Chiefs felt like the Super Bowl once Tennessee and Green Bay and Tampa Bay had all been eliminated. Those two looked like the best two teams remaining in the tournament, and I think it's fair to say that the winner of that game, the Chiefs as it turns out, will be the team to beat for the Lombardi Trophy moving forward. The television ratings will also be fascinating to track, as it might have been the most watched football game of the entire season. As a side note, early returns in Nashville indicate that the Titans and Bengals playoff matchup on Saturday pulled about a 38 in local viewership, which is about 400,000 TV homes in Nashville. Again, that number 38, it's a little lower than I expected, and it is lower than any of the recent Mike Vrabel coached playoff games. Not sure what that tells us yet. Those ratings, of course, courtesy of Mark Benda at News Channel 5. There are just two more weekends of football left. Luckily for Tennessee sports fans, the rest of the state had a pretty good weekend, all things considered. The Nashville Predators snapped a four-game losing streak with two dominating performances against the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday in a 5-2 win and the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday night 4-1. The offense jumped all over the Jets on Thursday, scoring three goals in the first period, and then UC Saros slammed the door with 36 saves in a phenomenal performance against their division rival. Matt Duchesne then scored twice on Saturday, Philip Forsberg added a third, and Saros was once again brilliant, saving 28 out of 29 shots. Again, the key here for the Predators is to course correct as quickly as possible. You cannot let a four-game losing streak turn into an eight- or ten-game losing streak that costs you a spot in the playoffs. They accomplished this with four big points on Thursday and Saturday in two outright wins. At 26-14-3, the Predators are still among the best teams in the Western Conference and are back on the ice against the Seattle Kraken on Tuesday evening. In college basketball in the SEC, Tennessee won its second consecutive game after beating Vanderbilt on Tuesday and then topping number 13 LSU 64 to 50 on Saturday back home at Thompson Bowling Arena. It moves the Volunteers above 500 in the SEC. They move to 4 and 3. Josiah Jordan James was back in the lineup after missing a whole lot of time against Vanderbilt and revenge against Will Wade and LSU after the early season defeat in Baton Rouge. And of course, we've got to mention the 51-point second half that the Auburn Tigers put up in a win over Kentucky, 80-71 down on the Plains. The Auburn student section pulled its best Duke impersonation by camping out the night before to get in, so the crowd and the atmosphere, the whole deal was awesome. Uh, It was a really good basketball game, a really nice Saturday appetizer before NFL football regardless of what took place, and that Kentucky team was playing really good basketball, so that's a great win by number two Auburn, 80-71 again over the Kentucky Wildcats, moving to 7-0 and in SEC play. The Florida Gators beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt falls to 2-4 and four on the season. They only scored 42 points and 14 in the second half, a great defensive performance from the Florida Gators. Mississippi State beat Ole Miss, South Carolina beat Georgia, Alabama beat Missouri, and Arkansas beat Texas A&M. The 440 is brought to you by our wonderful friends, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and they are the only name you need to know if you're making a big decision about your house or your future house. Just check out their work. BuildKG.com is the website. Just talk to them. I guarantee you, you will be better off. That's the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com. Thank you guys all for listening. Much appreciated. Everybody take a deep breath. Relax. It's going to be okay. Step away from the ledge, everybody. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Please share the show. Check out the YouTube page and all the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network. As I said, thank you guys all for listening. This has been the 440 for Monday, January 24th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media. Written and produced by Braden Gall. Music by William Tyler.